thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, I thought I'd start this morning just as a quick recap. Um, no, anyone? Happy New Year, that was by Abba. Okay. <laughs> for those of you who are not known, I'll, that tells me one thing. <laughs> okay, but uh, I hope you had a really good time uh, with people, or if not, I hope you had a good time celebrating the birth of Jesus. But we finish our series in the new year still talking about carols, which you might think is a bit strange. But the last one, which the whole series has been sort of based around, is Joy to the World. And we've sung this song quite a lot over the last month, uh, partly because I think it's a real celebration, and also it's now been combined with that modern song that says, Our God Saves. Yeah? Our God Saves. That's why there is joy. That's why we can have joy. Joy to the World was written over 300 years ago by a man called Isaac Watts, who was thought of as being one of the, the fathers of ancient hymnody. There's a word that you never thought you'd hear, hymnody. But he also wrote another great tune, which was, When I Survey the Wonders Cross, which we'll sing later on. When I survey, when I look at the cross, not just joy to the world, the king is here, but when I survey the cross, because that's what it all points to, the cross and the empty tomb. He wrote that song. And Joy to the World isn't actually really a Christmas song. We've just made it a Christmas song. It isn't actually a Christmas song at all. Yes, we could go back to the passage in Luke that we keep returning to. And verse 10, props goes up on the screen if if Tabby's got verse 10. That's the angel announcing to the shepherd. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all the people. And it goes on to say, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Not just a baby, a saviour who has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Messiah. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And that's why we sing it at Christmas. Because it echoes the angel song of Luke chapter 2. But this song is actually based on Psalm 98. It's not based on the Christmas story. It's entirely based on Psalm 98. If you read Isaac Watts' little writings of hymns, it says at the bottom of it, it's based on Psalm 98. So Psalm 98 was hundreds of years before Jesus. So let's read Psalm 98. We're going to look particularly at verses 4 to 9, but for just verses 4 to 8 to begin with. So from verses 4 onwards, just 4 Go back. (laughs) There we go. Okay. So verse 4 onwards says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King, the King. 
Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Okay? That is what joy to the world is based on. And in that passage, it even talks about the creation itself shouting praise. The rivers will clap their hands. The trees will dance. Now, I don't know about you. You don't get the the best view of church that I get, I think. That might sound bizarre. But I've been sat singing and playing, and I've seen Mercy having a good old boogie to the songs because she's filled with joy at the songs she's singing. And actually... We, I'm thinking, actually, if we did it, Mercy, we should get you out the front and you know, encourage a few others to join in. Because I'm seeing that and going, this is great. And then I look over somewhere over here, maybe, and it's like, oh, you know. No, I know we're not all the same. You know, I know we're not all the same. You know, we've played, anyone played any party games over Christmas? Oh, two of you. That's, that's jolly, isn't it? Shirley was at our house. I know she played party games. Party games. You know, my mum had to do a robot dance. Okay. <laughs> And all she did was, I am a robot. It wasn't really a dance. But she did it because it was part of the game. She did it because it was, it was something that actually she was told to do on a card. Do you know what the Bible says? Praise God and dance and shout and clap and be joyful. You know? So that's your card this morning. <laughs> okay? It says clap your hands. It says to, to, to lift hands to him. It says, it says to do all those things. So there's your card. It's not a game, though. This is life. But actually, joy is something I regularly return to. And some of the things I'll say today, I've said before. And I make no apology for that because I think it's really important. And I think the more we hear that message, the more likely we're going to choose joy. Do you know, Christmas can be stressful, yeah? Yeah? I've been told today, we've tried to set the timer on our oven for the first time today because Ros is doing Sunday school. And um, so we've set the timer. We've never done it before because normally we've got just enough time. So she said, if it's not cooked, it's on your head. I'm like, well, that sounds like Joey from Friends, doesn't it? But actually, I've tried my best and I've set the timer for the oven. And actually, that's quite stressful. I'm already worried that I'm going to get home to raw, raw chicken when I get home today. So I don't know how well your Christmas dinner went. Maybe Christmas can be quite lonely. It can bring back memories. It can be a place of expense. It can be a place that's sad. It can be even a place that's miserable, even in the middle of the joy, the activities, even in the middle. So let's get our heads around this. We need to look to Jesus when some people are just looking for joy, yeah? Because it's in Jesus that joy is. So people spend their life looking for joy, but actually... They don't find it because they don't look to Jesus. Let's remind ourselves to not confuse joy with happiness. Sounds like a bit of a strange statement. And I didn't know this, but where does the word happy, happiness come from? Anyone? Anyone know where the word happiness comes from? Right, that's good, because if you don't learn anything else today, this is one thing you can take away. It doesn't just come from the word happy. It comes from the same root word as the word happy happen okay so that means happiness tends to come from what happens right happiness comes from what happens it depends on circumstances so in life we will experience happiness sadness boredom because of the situations we're in because of our circumstances 
That's why our happiness can go up and down. So this morning, let us not confuse joy with happiness. Because there were times where Jesus wept. There were times where Jesus cried over Jerusalem. There were times where Jesus wept in the garden. I don't think he was happy in those moments. But he had the joy of his father. He had the joy of his dad. Because joy is deep. Joy isn't just a surface thing. Joy isn't dependent on your surroundings. Joy isn't just a smile on your face, yes, I'm fine. Joy is genuine. Joy is long-lasting. And joy is available no matter what happens. Joy is available no matter what happens. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this. Happiness will change. Joy is available no matter what the circumstance. And where will you find joy? Joy to the world. So that answers the question. Why is there joy? Where do we find joy? Because the Lord has come. That's the message the world needs to hear. That's the message the angels gave. Joy to the world because God has come. Not happy to the world. You'll be happy because there's a baby. A baby can bring a lot of stress, can't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, some knowing heads. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But it's not as simple as him coming because the second line says, let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, but you've got to do something about it. Let earth receive her king. On New Year's Eve, as the clock struck midnight, after the shouts of Happy New Year and after Joel had done his Go Wildcats bit, don't worry, those who were there know. A young man got down on one knee and proposed to my daughter. Now, I had to prompt him to ask the question because they were both just crying at that point. <laughs> I said, you've not actually asked her yet, you know? And then she didn't say yes for a little while, but hey, we'll say. We, we guessed she was quite pleased. But Michael offered Chloe a ring. He offered her an opportunity. She had to say yes. She had to receive the ring. And now she's received it, she's have to get a bigger size because she can't get it off her finger. <laughs> she had to receive the ring. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It's not just enough that Jesus came. We have to receive him as king. She had to say yes to the ring. Not quite as catchy as say yes to the dress, I know. That will come. I'm, oh boy, that's going to be stressful. Okay. <laughs> he did very well. Very impressed. But Jesus has come and we need to say yes. That's why the Bible gives us the image of a marriage in, in that situation. That the church and the Christians are the bride of Jesus, the bridegroom. Because those who've said yes to the groom get to be at the wedding. We've got to receive our king. Jesus has come, but we need to say yes. We need to receive him and we need to accept him because it's no good without our acceptance. Let me ask you, what does your body need? Now, some people might say, mine doesn't need any more. Okay? Oxygen. Yeah, what else? Water. Thank you. Food. Yeah, okay. That, that would that come top of my list, but you can tell that. Oxygen, water, food, sleep, rest. 
Oh, thank you, Paul. Exercise. You would know that Paul Hardingham would be the one to shout exercise, wouldn't you? The, how many miles did you do on your Keswick to Barrow this year? 60. Oh, my days. Right. I don't think he needs that much exercise, can I just say. What does your mind need? What does your mind need? Peace? Joe, you need to shout louder and one at a time. Come on. <laughs> Stimulation. Your mind needs exercise as well, doesn't it, Paul? You need to exercise your mind, you know? Sudokus. I was doing crosswords with my dad from the Telegraph crossword book. All my days, I thought I was good at crosswords, but there were so many random things that you could only know if you knew that there's no chance of getting it right. Education, yeah? So your body needs those things, your mind needs those things. What does your spirit or your soul need? What does it crave? Also peace, yeah? But it also craves joy. Yeah? That's what we all want. We want joy. And what's the source? The King of Kings. The King of Kings, Jesus. That is why people like Corrie Ten Boom, Johnny Erickson Tarder, Heavenly Man, all those people who live in or lived in really tough situations still had joy. Because they found it in the King of Kings. It was deep. It was genuine. It wasn't a happiness. Corrie ten Boom wasn't grinning away in a concentration camp. But she had joy. And it was noticed by others. Because she knew that joy was the thing that satisfied her soul. Her soul, her spirit was content and satisfied because she sought the King. Because she sought the King. The need for joy is quenched and satisfied with the Saviour. Look at the famous people you might know. I've read autobiographies by Robbie Williams, Sting. I've even heard some interviews with Madonna. And many of those megastars would be people who we think have got everything we would need. Yeah? They are living the dream, supposedly. Yet they're not. They've not got joy. They actually are quite, quite wrestling with lots of inner demons and doubts. Many of us are. But actually, that's because they've been looking for joy I'm not looking at Jesus. That's what it's all about. Their search actually is for happiness and not for joy. Where are we going to find joy? In Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Contrast Herod and the kings in the story that we've, we've seen at Christmas. Herod and the kings. Herod was bitter. He was hate-filled because he was threatened. He thought that Jesus was going to change his position. Herod didn't want to be changed. He didn't want to be transformed. And he didn't want to do anything about it other than kill the baby Jesus. The kings, on the other hand, searched for Jesus and went away rejoicing. See the difference? One looked for his own happiness. The others found Jesus, accepted Jesus, worshipped Jesus, and were filled with joy. Yeah? Verse 6 in Psalm 98 that we read says this. If we can just put it up, Tabby. You're doing great this morning. Sorry. She's moved away because she thought I'd finished. I think it's good to be reminded. Verse 6 says this in Psalm 98. It says... With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Well, the ram's horn is what's known as the shofar. 
it's a particular horn. And what did that, when they blew on that horn, what did it mean? Well, sometimes it summoned warriors. It was the call to arms. It was the call to fight. It was the call to do those things. Sometimes it gathered worshippers to the temple. Sometimes it was important news announced by watchmen. Are you impressed? Lots of W's there. Warriors, worshippers, and watchmen. Sometimes it gathered the warriors, sometimes it gathered worshippers, sometimes it is important news announced by watchmen, both good news and disastrous news. It wasn't always good. And finally, it announced the entry of kings. Couldn't find a W for that, sorry. It announced the entry and arrival of a king. Those four things are quite important, I believe, because we can shout for joy before the Lord and King. You know, when we think about the stuff that happens in our world... We might need to be warriors. You might be fighting battles right now. You might need to be a warrior. You might need to be a warrior. Well, what summons the warriors, the chauffeur? And it says, shout for joy to the Lord because he's the king. Is he your king? Is he your king? We've got to accept him. We've got to say yes because he's offered that opportunity. We've got to say yes. When we think about stuff that happens, we may need to be warriors. It will involve a fight at some times. Life will involve a battle. I know there are people sat here who've had battles this week, really difficult ones. But if we accept the king, we will worship freely and in truth because that chauffeur blows and it summons the worshipers to shout for joy to the Lord. Finally, we, not finally at the moment, finally in this moment, don't get too excited. We will find times of good and bad news, yeah? Who's had any good news this week? Chloe was tentative there. I was thought that was his first trend straight up. Who's had some bad news this week? Yeah? We will have, Joel, you're not supposed to put your hand up at that point. We will have good and bad news. But what does the chauffeur summon us to do? What does the, that watchman announcing good and bad news? It says, shout for joy to the Lord, because he's the king. Whether you're fighting a battle, whether you're close to worship, whether you've got good news or bad news, shout for joy to the Lord. Be filled with joy. Look to Jesus. Don't search for happiness, because you'll only be disappointed. He is on the throne. The second verse says this, joy to the world, the saviour reigns receive him is step one and many of you in this room will have received Jesus as king but many of us still don't let him reign many of us still don't let him reign and actually if we don't let him reign we'll miss out on the joy if we don't put him above our plans we don't put him above our ideas we don't put him above everything else we'll miss out on the joy because we're starting to put the other things, the happiness we crave on the throne, the things we want to do, the plans we have, where actually we need to say, God, you take charge. The genuine satisfaction of letting him be in charge. Because do you know what? He knows better. Wouldn't it be silly this morning if, if, if Shibomi and Grace, sorry, Shibomi and Grace, I got it right first time, were being told what to do by their child? It'd be nonsense, wouldn't it? You know what's best for your child. Because he's only, how old now? Four months. That would be ridiculous. Yet some of us are children of the king and we're telling him what to do. We're telling him where to go. We're telling him our plans and saying, join us. But actually we need to say, God, your will, your will. Allow him to reign because the joy will be greater. So he's come as king, receive him. Second thing, allow him to reign. 
And the third verse says, he rules the world with truth and grace. Joy comes when there is a balance of truth and grace. You know, truth on its own can be harsh and not easy to take. I make plenty of mistakes when I'm playing that piano, okay? And my son could say, Dad, that's rubbish. But then I would turn around and say the same to him if that was the case. No, that's not true. He could say, Dad, you, you just, oh, I wish we'd get someone better into play. That might be true. Joel has played with far better musicians than me, and it might be true. But instead, what he says is, oh, nice jazz, is what he says. <laughs> nice jazz. Because I know what he means. He means, Dad, that was a rough mistake, but in jazz, you can do what you like. <laughs> so when Joel says that, that's truth with grace. That's truth with grace. Nice jazz. It was nice jazz. But it also means, Dad, you're rubbish. No, it doesn't. You know, I am the king of the condiments, okay? I love a sauce. Anyone else with me? Love a sauce, yeah? I don't like gravy. That's rubbish. What? Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I've now lost half the congregation. <laughs> gravy, the truth is, right, I have ketchup, mayonnaise, peri-perinase, oh, that's good, and there's garlic peri-perinase, hot peri-perinase, mild peri-perinase, teriyaki sauce, sweet chili sauce, plum sauce, oyster sauce, German sweet mustard, um, burger sauce, and these are all on the top shelf of my fridge. Okay, you can't fit any more condiments in my fridge. And then I'll go shopping and see a new one. I'll be like, oh, I've got to try that. You know, piece of chicken with some of that sauce on. Chloe goes mad if she's cooked a meal and I straight away put sauce on it because well, I'm, like, I'm not saying the meal's bad, I'm just saying I want to improve it even more because she wants some more sauce. You know, if you've not tried some of those sauces, see me afterwards, I'll give you my recommendations. I could eat just plain chicken, but it's much better with sauce on it. Yeah? Even if that sauce is gravy, okay? I'll give you that. Okay, there's a few nods now, I've won you back. Without the sauce, the food is still food though, Yeah? The chicken is still chicken, or the vegetables for the vegetarians out there is still vegetables. But with the sauce, it goes down so much better. It goes down peppercorn sauce. I missed that off my list. Peppercorn, oh, I'm thinking of all the sauces now instead of what it should be. With the sauce, it goes down better. You know, we may be people who like to tell people as it is. But the Bible talks to us that that's not always the best way to be. It may be true. It may be right, but to really bring joy, it has to have the source of grace applied to it. It has to have the source of grace because that's the best source. It has to be nice jazz, Dad, rather than that was rubbish or that was a mistake. It has to have the source of grace. Truth without love is just rules, regulations, or judgment. Love without truth is just soft sentimentality. But love with truth and grace, sorry, truth with love and grace is Jesus. Is Jesus. He said, neither do I condemn you. He said, I love you. I love the world. He said all those things. He seasoned his truth with grace. So we might think, be proud of the fact that we tell the truth and we speak the truth to people, but we need to have truth with grace. We need to have truth with grace. The very last verse of this psalm, verse 9, says this. 
After all this talk of the king has come, there is joy found in Jesus or joy found in the king. The last verse says this, let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Judgment doesn't sound like joy, does it? But in this case, it says he rules the world with truth and love, truth and grace, and makes the nations prove. He wants us to prove him. How? With truth and grace. With our conversations sprinkled with truth and grace. Psalm 98 in the message, verse 9, says, A tribute to God when he comes, when he comes to set the earth right. He will straighten out the whole world. He'll put the world right and everyone in it. That might sound like a scary threat. But surely we want to be right, yeah? We want to be living right. A lot of people will start this new year going to gyms. A lot of people will start this new year on diets and give up. But he wants to put things right. That's our aim when we do the gym or diets, isn't it? We want to put things right. He is coming to put things right. Christmas is just the start of that. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. He came from earth to the cross, my debts to pay. He from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. That is the story of Christmas. The promise is that he will return as king and that those who receive the baby as king and let him reign and accepted him will be accepted by him. But for those of us who've rejected him, then he will be fair and he will let them have that choice. He will let them have the choice of rejection. I want to finish by telling you a story. Sound like Max Bygraves. There's a, an old person uh, connection. I want to tell you a story. I'm only just old enough to remember him, honest. But there was an author who wrote a short story about a town in the Wild West called Roaring Camp. And in this town, it was a tough mining town where the rate of murder and theft was rife. It was full of men and only one woman who was a Cherokee lady called Sal. And she earned her money in the only way she knew how in that city, in that town. She became pregnant and died in childbirth. Nobody knew who the father was and she died leaving this baby. So the men of the town came together and put the baby in a crate with some rags. And they looked at this baby in a crate with some rags and thought, this just isn't good enough. So one of the men rode 80 miles out of town to buy a rosewood cradle and brought it back. And he put the rosewood cradle and the rags and the baby in. And they went, wow, that cradle's amazing. They went, but look at the rags. It's not good enough. So another man rose out of town and bought some silk and, and, and blankets and, and lovely sort of material. And he brought that back and they laid that in the rosewood cradle and they put the baby in. They went, wow, that's amazing. Look at this now. This is perfect. But then they noticed that the floor was dirty. So a few of them got down on their hands and knees and started scrubbing the floor till it was clean. And they were like, yes, look at this now. This is perfect for this baby. Rosewood cradle, blankets, clean floor. But then the clean floor pointed out the fact that the walls and the ceiling and the windows weren't good. So they washed down the walls and the ceilings. They cleaned the windows. They put some curtains up at the windows. And they were like, this is incredible. This is amazing. But that town was a place that was known for arguing and shouting and aggravation. And they realized that that wasn't good for a baby sleeping. So they started to talk 
kindly to each other. And they started to lower the volume of their voices. And so that helped the baby to sleep. And then the next thing they realized was that the baby doesn't like angry fighting faces. So they stopped the fighting. They stopped the murder rate, dropped. There was no theft because the men volunteered to take it in turns to stay with the baby at the entrance to the mine while others were at work. But then they started noticing that their hands were a bit grubby as they picked up the baby, and that wasn't good enough. And then they put flowers around the entrance to the mine, and they realized that their hands were filthy, their beards and hair was wild, and so they started to clean up their act, and they were transformed. What changed the men of that town? The baby changed everything. The baby changed everything. When we start to see Jesus, we start to see what we need to clean up. When we start to see Jesus and we start to see the things in our lives that aren't quite right, he shows us it with truth and grace and love and we start to change who we are because he cleans us up. He's the one that gets on his hands and knees and scrubs our floors. He's the one who says, choose joy, choose me. Choose me to reign. The baby brought joy, contentment, and purpose to that town. Are we looking for joy in our lives? Looking for contentment in our lives? Are you looking for a purpose in your life? The baby changes everything. He was born to be king. Has the baby changed your life yet? Or more importantly, has the man who died on the cross and rose again changed your life yet? Because he's asking you, He's saying, receive me, but you've got to say yes. Even in the midst of your mess, you've got to say yes. So this year, as we start 2022, let us not stop singing joy to the Lord. Let us not stop singing joy to the world. Let us not stop singing joy because he reigns. He's the source of all. That was a bit of a play on words. He's the source of all our hope. And know that the source isn't what happens, it's who happened. It's what he did. And he needs to reign. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the, the writings of, of, of other people who've written carols and put, put words together to tunes that can help us to see other layers to the story of salvation. Father, I thank you that we've sung that song so many times, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And we thank you that we put with it that our God reigns. Father, this morning, I pray for each person listening online or each person in this room. And I pray, Lord, that they will know the proposal you're making. You're saying, God. You are saying to us, I've given Jesus to you. Do you want him? I've given a king to you. Do you want him? I've given a savior for you. Do you want him? And this morning, we have a choice. Will we say yes or will we say no? It's that simple. So, Father God, I pray in your name and through your spirit that you will take that truth and sprinkle it throughout our lives and that we will be transformed, and that we will be a people of joy because we've found Jesus. In your name, amen.